Are you ready to make 2017 the year you transform your life? You can wait for something to happen, or you're actually going to decide to go, go home after this weekend to do something about that. We all know that we have a very, very limited amount of time on this earth. So let's not have repeated years. Live your own life. Make the choice, make the decision for your own life. Fear is where you develop courage. There's a moment going, holy crap, all right, I'm gonna do this now. The Wellness Breakthrough is coming. And so you actually have that choice every single morning, every single day, every single moment to decide whether you're gonna live it to the fullest or not. Join myself, Marcus Pierce, and the Wellness Guys, Damien Christoph, Lawrence Tam, and Brett Hill for two nights and three days of transformation at the Country Place. Ten acres of breathtaking rainforest in the Dandenong Ranges of Victoria, February 17th to 19th. It's each and every single one of you are going to support each other in your journey, whatever that journey is. Couples discounts available, limited spots remaining for all information and to watch the spine-chilling video, go to thewellnessbreakthrough.com. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to The Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damien Christoph, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to the Wellness Guys. I'm Lawrence Tam. I'm Brad Hill. Nah, <laughs> just joking. I'm Damien Christo. And this is the Wellness Guys show, a weekly show dedicating bringing wells into our lives. Brett is uh, a well. We actually changed times uh, on him, so he's uh, with his family and kids. And unfortunately, he's not going to be able to make it uh, on this show. But we actually have someone very, very special uh, on this particular podcast. We um, actually have one of our fellow podcasters from the Wellness Couch. Now, let me explain a little bit. We have so much to talk about, and I don't want to waste too much time on this. But Leanne Anders is a brilliant, a brilliant person. We met um, her probably back in, uh, she's attended a couple of wellness breaks through, which we'll love to talk a little bit about. And uh, she's has a podcast on, she's one of the co-hosts of Boomi's World. And one of the things that we will love to talk to her about is her challenge that she has just took, um, took on this challenge maybe about four months ago. And uh, to now, you know, she talks about how we have, the wellness guys have inspired her, but now I think the, the, the roles have reversed and she's been inspiring us now when she went on to the Spartan race. Not only did she actually participate in the Spartan race, um, in just maybe a month ago, she actually participated in what's called the trifecta. We'll talk a little bit about that and, uh, let her inspire, her story inspire you. So Leanne, welcome to the wellness guys show. Oh my god, guys! I'm I'm so excited. Thank you so much, Lawrence. That was an awesome introduction. I've got a lot to live up to now. Oh, I don't know about that, but you you have an incredible, <laughs> incredible story. But the thing is, what most people don't know about you, I'm not sure how much you have told, um, you know, well, told your listeners, but our listeners may not have heard the story. Mm-hmm. But you actually, you have a great uh, story in terms of your journey towards health. But it all started it with you know when you were younger, where it didn't look so bright. And, and when you were, especially in your teenage years, and you know, you just told us off air, and I knew the story from before, just because of our, our uh, yeah. connection with each other, and we actually, um, that's why I thought that you would be perfect for one of the projects we worked on called the Human Project in Australia. But um, you were actually homeless at sixteen. So could let's talk about that journey from there to where you are today. 
Sure won't. Um, well, look, when I was a teenager, I I had a lot happen in my life. I found out when I was 12 that my dad wasn't actually my biological father. Um, I went through a stage where for a few years um, I was actually, it, this may even be a, a controversial topic on its own, but I was... Um, I was I was molested for a few years um, and in the end it kind of for me emotionally it just got too much I was 12 years old I couldn't cope with all these grown-up things that had come into my life and I became I suppose disconnected and withdrawn and I sort of lost that connection with my parents and with my family we moved to Brisbane and I just continued to become more and more withdrawn from society and and from all the people around me, by that stage, I disconnected myself from my family. I went to a new school, so I had to meet new friends, which I really struggled with. And I internalised a lot of trauma and didn't tell anyone anything. And so through this time, I guess, um, I started to experiment with a little bit of self-destruction in the way of a little bit of cutting. Uh, my parents had no idea what to do with me at this stage. We found ourselves moving again. This time we moved to the western suburbs of Sydney. Again, I had to put myself in a whole new environment with a lot of new people I didn't know, dealing with the, the increasing disconnection and I guess a volatile household because I just wasn't engaging with the people around me. And I had a younger brother and sister at this stage and my mum had to think of them as well. And I had started to dabble in a little bit of substance abuse. I'd stopped going to school. And I didn't act out. Like, I wasn't one of those kids who would deliberately act out externally. I internalised everything. So I sort of cut myself off from the world. And it got to the stage where it was affecting the family too much. It was affecting my younger brother and sister. And I, I was given the option to either move to Victoria to meet my biological father or to go to a reform school in parts because my parents, they just didn't know what to do with me and my younger brother and sister were just being exposed to what they couldn't understand. That's intense, Leanne. I was just uh, in a bit of a pause mode there, just kind of reflecting <laughs> on it and just going, wow. <laughs> That's you know. okay. I just, I just did a big dump there. That was a lot of information to... I wasn't expecting <laughs> all that. Like, <laughs> We had a little bit of a chat off air and I thought, oh, yeah, this would be a nice thing to talk about and uh, and then there's that. So that's yeah. that's that's very, um, that's hugely significant. It's a big thing. Like I've, I've experienced um, people in my life who have been involved in cutting themselves, self-harm, self-abuse, yeah. then substance abuse, et cetera, et cetera. It's really fascinating to see um, somebody like yourself who's come out from that and is on the other side of it and stronger and more resilient than um, than ever before. So it, it's an incredible – you do have an incredible story. Obviously, that's the start of your story and yeah. you, you, know, you, you come to Melbourne, you find your biological father. What happens next? Well, it just wasn't what I expected it to be. I thought my life would change and I thought everything would be better and I'd find a place where – I would belong because that's what I was looking for. It was always searching for something to make yourself feel better. When you don't have those tools to draw on or you don't have those, I suppose, the opportunities around you to grow and learn as a person, you're, just, you're scrambling. You're constantly scrambling for anything to make you feel better. And so 
because you're on the downside, you're exposed to things that aren't necessarily beneficial in the long term. You can't sustain cutting for a long period of time. You can't sustain drinking or drugs for a long period of time. You can't sustain um, being promiscuous for a long period of time. These things only serve you for a very short period and then actually make you feel worse at the end. And I just thought moving down and meeting my biological father would fix everything because I was, I was 15 at this stage and I just thought, oh, everything's going to change. I'm, I'm being removed out of my environment. That made me feel so miserable. And, look, my parents did the best they could with the knowledge and understanding at, their, at that time. And I have, to, I have to stress that, that my parents are not bad people or ignore, you know, they, they did the best they could. And the rest was kind of going to be up to me. And it's the same when I met my father. He already had his own way of coping with the world, which was at this stage he was a, a very heavy alcoholic. And he was, I just went through times where he was quite um, abusive as, as well. And I just knew that I didn't feel safe in that environment within myself after I met him. So after just after I turned 16, I left. I sort of found myself in an environment where I was no longer safe emotionally, mentally or physically and I had to leave. And so at this stage I went and stayed with another kid that I just met at school and then a really great non-profit organisation from uh, just a local area called Wangaratta. They stepped in. They're called NISE, which is North East Support and Action for Youth, and they stepped in and housed me. Hmm. You know, the, the reason why, um, you know, I wanted to, to, to kind of ask those type of questions, because I knew your story, I knew your background. And, um, and I wanted to say to, to you, Leanne, thank you for, you know, being so brave to actually share that. Um, because a lot of people, um, wouldn't want to share it. And I'm sure you hid it for a long time from people, um, because yeah. there's instant judgment and there's, you know, a lot of people will make, you know, well, whatever, you know, they create the story around it. But the thing is that I think it's really important. This is kind of an unusual uh, interview for us for the wellness guys, but I think it's an important conversation that we don't actually get to talk about. And it's a conversation that, um, that I think listeners need to hear because, um, it happens a lot more than we think it happens. And one of the things that, uh, that, that it affects, if we're talking about wellness, that it does affect the mental wellness for our kids and the teenagers and, and that yeah. are dealing with this. And I know that a certain teenagers listen to our show and they might, you know, they, if it only helps, just helps one person who's listening going, oh, yeah. man, like this, I know someone else is going through that, that they don't feel like, you know, the only person in the world that's going through that. I think that's really important um, to be able to share that. What? Let me ask you this. When when all of this is happening, when you're 15, 16 years old, when you have to deal with adult issues, all these things are happening, like things were not, you know, not in your control. There's like, it's almost like a perfect storm that was happening for you at that time. You know, everything which is going mm -hmm. wrong. Um, you know, what, what mechanisms, like, how did you cope with that? Like, I know, you know, you coped with the best you can, your parents coped with the best they could as well. Like, but what, what were you drawing from? Like, what were your resources? Who were your heroes to kind of, um, get as much help as possible? How did you, you know, get that? How did you search for yourself? Like, what was the, the thinking process behind it at that time? I, I did. I just knew that. No, if no one else, and see, I didn't have my family to draw on for support and I just come to a stage where I just thought no one else is going to look after you. You have to look after yourself. And I just knew through searching through all these different kind of destructive behaviours, I knew I was searching and I was looking for something to make me feel better. But 
at the end of the day, none of those things truly connected with me. I knew that I couldn't do it long term. I knew it wasn't going to make me feel better. I just had this almost, I suppose, built-in resilience to just kind of keep searching and keep searching. And and it wasn't until I was really 19 and I'd just come out of having a, an eating disorder at this stage when I met my husband. And he was just, for me, he was kind of my hero through so much. He was so stable. He was so level-headed. He'd come from such a good family and he just had a really good, simple, basic outlook on life. And through him, I just sort of got a bit more stability. I still struggled because at this stage, I still didn't have much connection with family around me. Yeah. And I struggled for a long time and you know that, Lawrence, because yeah. we actually we, we spoke because that, that part of my story, that was around the time that I cut off. Yeah. Well, can I ask you about this? Because I think this is really yeah. important and this is just my curious brain, I guess. Um, I met your husband and he's an incredible yeah. man, like just an incredible man. And, and you know, to meet him at that age at 19 with all the stuff that you've gone through, was it – did you rebel against that? Like to see – to see someone who's, you know, not maybe in your eyes perfect, but like, did you re- rebel that someone that good could come into your life with all the things that happened yeah. to you? That, yeah. 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 I, I did things to kind of try and destroy our relationship because I thought, you know what, I'd, at the end of the day, I'm better off knowing that I've created my own mess than to deal with the fact that someone else may not want me for me because mm. I dealt with so much rejection in, in my life and, and felt that I wasn't enough, so I did a lot of searching to feel, um, to feel loved, to feel, feel adequate, and and a lot of these kids do. And this is what we have to realise as well is what we're currently doing in the whole social services is not working, and we know this because the suicide rate for last year was thirteen percent, an increase of thirteen wow. percent. The second biggest killer of youth in our nation is suicide. So what we're doing is not working. And this is where we really have to look for a different way to connect with these kids because they're not connecting with the people around them. But some of them are in a stage where they can't even tell you. And this is something that that Wes also speaks about is that they can't even tell you their favourite colour because they're so depressed. And it is. And when you're in an environment like that, you're not around positive people. You're not around the wellness world. You're not around people to lift you up or to help you or, or guide you. Or you're not you're not in a mentorship with with people around you. You're not searching. You can't see outside yourself, let alone look at the world around you. Leanne, this is uh, this is quite clearly a picture of a very very dark stage and phase in your life. And- to come out of that requires an enormous amount of resilience. It requires, you know, some very strong people around you. And fortunately, your husband was, was there for you. And, you, you know, it's quite feasible that you would have tried to destroy that relationship to kind of stay in a space that you knew because it was familiar in an area that was, you know, destructed and destructive and all that sort of stuff. What, what, how, how deep do you have to go in your own self? to be able to come out of all of this and then be able to harness what you've learned um, and translate that into a resilience, which is what you do have. Well, it's it's interesting that you asked that, Damien, because it's only really been these last couple of years or especially this last 12 months that I've really been able to bring this part of my life back into my life now because, like I said earlier, that was around 19, 20, 20. I kind of, you know, early 20s distanced myself from that person that I considered troubled 
and I became someone else about 25. I was like, right, I'm getting married now. I'm getting a house. I'm going to have kids. And I just just completely disconnected from that persona, from that part of myself. So I ripped a, a whole chapter out of my book. And it wasn't like a, you, just, you just decided. Yeah, I just decided that I do not want to know that person. I was I was really embarrassed and there was a certain amount of, I suppose, shame that come along with the person that I was and, and how hopeless I considered myself to be as a teenager and, and that I was, you know, a bit of a, you know, either a, a street rat or, you know, I was just young and silly and, you know, a bit disgraceful. I just, I was a little bit disgusted in that person that I was, to, to be honest. But then it comes back to these last couple of years when I found the wellness couch and starting to search and I just came to a place where I just wanted to do the work. I wanted something to change and I was growing, but just there was something missing. There was something always missing. And what I recognised that was this year was was her was my my teenage self like my teenage Leanne was I I just cut her off so I wasn't drawing on any of those emotions or any of that resilience or any of that strength that she had because I just cut her off and along with that I cut off the experiences the emotions and everything attached so I found it hard to feel all those emotions that I'd cut off with that person and I got to a stage where sometimes it was almost like a, a feeling of despair but I just couldn't express how I felt because I cut her off and along with that, everything that belonged to her and bringing that back into my life, I've been able to really explore who I am as a person, what all that meant and how I can benefit from it as as well and draw on that resilience. And then I'm, I'm completely estranged from my family now, which is... You know, for years I, I would get quite upset about that. I think now I'm at peace to just look at it as it is what it is and everyone has their own journey, including all the members of my family. They've got their own journey. You know, they're not deliberately saying, I don't want anything to do with Leanne or I'm going to make her life hell or, or and I'm not doing the same. It's just sometimes you come to a place where you no longer benefit each other in your lives and you've got your own journey and that's where I'm at now is I'm, learning so much more about myself and how strong I can be and how I can get through anything and and it's preparing yourself like I'm going to have harder times in in my life you know but than what I had when I was younger I know things are going to happen in my life that I'm going to need to draw on that resilience and and that positivity and and not just look at things like things happen for a reason it's like okay that's happened what am I going to gain from it now because mm. some things happen and they're set in stone. There's no changing it. And where sometimes when you look at it like it happened for a reason, you totally take away that ownership or, or where you are and, and the role you played in whatever's happened. If you say this has happened, it's set in stone, what am I going to gain from it now? It gives you so much more power, I suppose. You know, what's what's really interesting is the the whole um the viewpoint and the, the, the story that you're actually crafting for yourself moving forward here. Like uh, I don't want people to miss that because what you've done is not there's a couple of key things. Number one, you just decided. Like you just decided at the beginning to go, This is my life, my new life, and I'm gonna just create my new book or new journey. Yeah. Um and then now you're revisiting back your old old story, the one that you tore apart away from your book and revisiting and saying, How did I how does it serve me, you know, moving forward? And one of the key things when people listen to a story like that 
like your past and say, you know what, man, like that's enough hurt. That's enough for one person to deal with. But you have a totally different viewpoint. You almost like saying, you know what, that's, yeah, it was bad. It, you know, it was, you know, terrible, but you know, it's not the, that it probably will get worse in the future, like, or there will be something and you're actually preparing yourselves, um, you know, yeah. to build up the resilience in your life to prepare for something that may happen, may not, it might be a, the most beautiful life moving forward, but you're not going to just sit there and just hope for like, okay, the voice is passed now. So let's move on to a good life. Like you, you're actually building yourself to have those resilience resiliences because let's face it. We, as humans, uh, we typically think that the future is always going to be bright, but it's not always going to be bright. There's always going to be hardship in front of us. There's always going to be roadblocks or obstacles that stand in our way. And you are preparing yourself, which is a totally different mindset than most people. And so I commend you for that, but I'd love to know a little bit more about you right now, because like the person that you are now with, with the person who's accepted the acceptance of the past um, and also the creation of the new uh, Leanne that you are, you go out and challenge yourself onto, you know, building more resilience. And, but one of the things that, you know, I've, I've seen you through two wellness breakthroughs, um, the yeah. change, the dramatic change in the one year, just the gap between the two was significant. It was amazing to see. Like the, I remember the very first one wellness breakthrough, um, you didn't even want to stand up and speak. Remember that was no. a one, that was one challenge you did like not I just was in front of the group. Trembling in front of 40, 40 people, yeah, 40 and, people. I, and I was just trembling. <laughs> yeah. Fast forward about a year and a half later, um, you know, you were speaking in front of nine hundred people at the Wellness Summit, and uh, yes. you know, and this, and I mean, I know that seems like some like small thing. But for you, like that was actual a, a big fear it's for huge. you. So tell us, like, what you keep on putting yourselves into these incredible moments that are hard for you why do you do that because i feel i have the tools now to get me through it and this is you know like this is honestly i'm i'm a product of the wellness couch of you guys like everything that i have learned has all come full circle now where i've learned so much from you guys through the summits especially the breakthroughs from all the podcast shows and it's given me more incentive to go out there and search and, and spread my wings wider and keep drawing in on on more and more information because I can see the change that it's making in me. It's, it's, I'm becoming stronger. I'm becoming more understanding as well. There's different times where you need to draw on different tools and there's times when I need to be soft and connect with my children because I can be, you know, there, there are times I can be a little bit hard and I've got to bring that back and say, no, there's times... To, where you can be soft and you can show your emotion and cry in front of the kids and say, you know what, today's not a good day. Let's sleep on it and and hope tomorrow's a better day. But it's, you know, I, I cry in front of my kids. I get angry in front of my kids and I try to explain to them what I'm going through so that way they can, because you learn from what you see. They're not at an age at the moment where they're drawing on, uh, they're being able to listen to different podcasts or books or, or watch different people. Although they went through a stage where they seen a lot of Marcus Pierce <laughs> because I was doing the exceptional life blueprint. So they've seen a lot of Marcus on my computer screen for a while. But they, I need to go through this process in an open way so my kids can see and understand what it takes to live life, that it's not always rainbows and butterflies, that there's hardships and and. One of my sons, he's like a gentle giant and he cries if anyone looks at him the wrong way or he cries if he breaks one of his Lego trucks. And and it's really hard for me when I'm at this stage sometimes to kind of go, 
you know what, and, and be a little bit hard about it. You need to, to do this and do that and do that. And sometimes it's just coming back to realising that everyone starts somewhere and I need to give these kids things in baby steps. They need to see me go through things. Um, coming back to public speaking, like that gave me such mega anxiety when I first started speaking in front of people that just that that just had me an absolute mess it was almost like my body was telling me that I had a a a tenfold best like reaching over the back of me standing behind me waiting to engulf me that's what my body used to tell me and it's it's just sort of moving forward and going each time you just have to do this you have to do it you have to speak in front of people and it's putting things in practice it's like yogis and soldiers and and all these great people that do amazing things they learn to do those things every day so when you need to put it into practice you've got that foundation you've got those skills there they're ingrained almost within you so when you need to step up to the plate and you need to take a swing you've been in that batting cage plenty of times you know what you need to do and it's almost like your mind sort of switches off and you go I can do this I've got this I've got this and you do it but it's, it's just coming up to that consistency and constantly growing and learning and moving forward and, and having these skills and foundations ingrained so you can draw on them in really tough times of hardship. Those things are there. You don't have to scratch around to look and grasp and, and claw at something that you're not familiar with. It's nice, Leanne. It's nice to be able to uh, reflect on that and just to kind of, um, you know, go back into the stages of your life to kind of work out where things have happened, but also then to acknowledge that everything's still evolving. But what I really love about your story is that you've maintained a humanness to it. And I think that at times through transition, many of us, and I've had transitions too, many of us have gone through a transition and become very robotic-like and very um, stoic and uh, and become very logical because often in finding the logic in a situation, you, you find yourself navigating your way through the challenges without any kind of emotion. It's way easier to do it emotionless um, than to do it with emotion because emotion can pull you back. So to hear that you're still having a human experience in this is outstanding. And, and I love that because I know, you know, the closeness you have with your family and, and the, you know, the the significance the family, your family plays in your in your life. Yeah. What I'd love to move on to now is how you've been able to translate that into success um, and, and you know, in what you've just done recently, again, through massive amounts of adversity. Tell us about um, Spartan and then tell us about this massive thing because I know that Lawrence is absolutely <laughs> in love with your success here. He's, uh, he's, he's feeling challenged himself. I think that we might see LT try and rise to the, uh, to the top and try and do the same thing. But you've just completed <laughs> a trifecta, but you've done it yeah. under enormous circumstances. Can you tell us that, uh, that story, please, Leanne? Yeah, sure. So, um I, I just recently completed the Spartan trifecta. So for those of you who have been living under a rock and are not sure what a Spartan or an OCR race is, it's a, a 7K sprint, a 14K super, and a 21K beast. This is in pretty tough terrain as well, like high elevation. It's It was quite warm over the weekend as well. But um, we started off doing the super, and I did this as a fundraiser for Nisei because I came full circle after doing a bit of work with, with Lawrence earlier this year and Wes Chapman and A Human Project. And I just wanted to continue that on, that I found that I was in a position now to give back. And with that not turning out the way we expected to, I wanted to continue giving back, but in my own backyard. 
So I went back to Nisei and I said, you guys helped me tremendously years ago and I'm in a position now where I'm stable enough to put myself out there and do something to give back. So I propositioned that I would do the trifecta as a fundraiser. Complete just, all three races. Before yeah. you go on, I just like it, it sound like I just want to be very, very clear. I've done the super, which is one of the three races. You just said seven K, fourteen, and twenty one. What most people don't realize, yeah. the distance is not the problem. It's the actual thing be- between the distances <laughs> that are actually the problem. It's not even the terrain <laughs> and, the and the penalty. So just that you cl- you're clear because you you know you, I don't want people to get the full picture here. You did this all in one weekend, three races. There are um the obstacles during the race are the hardest thing I have ever done in my life. And I only done this 14 K one. And every time you miss an obstacle, like if you either skip an obstacle or don't complete an obstacle, it's 30 burpees. Um, so just be very clear. Don't, don't, don't put it down because you did that all in one weekend. So continue your story. I just want people to get Thank some good context on that. So yeah, that was all a, all a goer. And, um, I put my campaign out there and it came to race time and we started the super. And uh, I went up to, <clears throat> we had to climb uh, Mystic Hill, which is where the paragliders jump off. And that's a elevation gain of, I think, 600. It's quite a, quite a steep, steep climb anyway. And we came back down, got through the obstacles, got on the burpee cycle and did 90 burpees in the first three obstacles. And... Oh, went for a run out again, came back in, and we there's this obstacle called the Fortress. This thing is a machine, and it's a rock climbing wall. So you climb up the inside of it, you climb out almost upside down, like hanging. horizontal, yeah, and then up over the top. And the first time I went to get up, I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm not in the right position here, and it came back down, caught across to the other side and went back up. But by this stage, I'd already put so much energy into my first climb that my second climb, I was my arms were a little bit smoked. They were already spent. And so I got up near the top, which is over three and a half metres, and I was hanging over the edge trying to pull myself over the netting to complete the obstacle. And as I've gone to let go with my right hand and reach higher, my left hand has slipped. And I fell down on a single gym mat onto my lower back and at this stage I had no idea when I hit I knew there was no going back it was that moment of complete clarity setting in of what had just happened that I had not finished one race I have fallen on my back I can't breathe because I hit that hard and I was winded so my girlfriend who's actually my acupuncturist as well jumped the fence and came and got me sort of breathing again and calmed down and my body's just gone into shock because my head's gone. I had I had in my head coming up to this race, I want to see how I perform under intense pressure. Quitting is not an option. I want to see what I'm made of. So I want so to know that, I want to know what was happening at that moment in time. In in your brain, what was the first thing that you yeah. thought of? Were you thinking about the pain or were you thinking about the pain of no, not first enough thing finishing? That I thought of was I've hurt myself. Yeah. The second thing I thought of was I haven't finished one race. Yeah. Okay. I haven't I haven't even finished one race. And then I was like, you've got to get moving. You've got to get moving. Just move. Okay, you haven't broken your tailbone. That's okay. You can move. I was still in pain. But at this stage, my head had told my body, you're doing this regardless. And my body went, okay, what have I got to do? 
So, of course, the adrenaline was released and I went into shock and the medics came over. They wouldn't let me move before the medics came and they didn't want me to finish the race. And I was like, I'm getting up. I'm getting up. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good. And I started rolling. I'm like, okay, I can move. I was rocking sort of back and forth. I can move. Okay, it's a pain. Yep, get up, go. So I got up and started doing burpees, much to the shock horror of the people around me. And the medics are looking at me confused going, well, she seems to be okay. <laughs> I just said, I'm good to go, did my burpees, and off I went to complete the race. But by the time I'd finished the 14K, the pain, the numbness was sort of going and the pain was setting in and I was in a world of hurt. But I still had the 7K to go back and do an hour later. So I went and watched the kids race and they did all, they, they were awesome because my whole family, like my husband and my kids race that weekend as well. That's amazing. And so I went and watched the kids race and cheered them on. And my son, who's, well, one of my sons is, is just a huge fan of Maddie Murphy, who won the whole trifecta over the weekend. He's Australia's best OCR racer. And Maddie had signed his hat and his shirt and Mason, he got right into it. And so it just it lifted my spirits seeing my kids. And um, then I had to go back and do the 7K and that was slow and it was tough. And to be honest, there was so much going through my head. The only thing stopping me from crying through most of the race, out of disappointment, out of pain, out of just totally being unsure what was going to happen, was the fact that I, I wasn't wearing sunnies. If I had, had sunnies on, I would, I would have just let it go. But I was. there was times, because I raced on my own as, as well, there was times through that 7K where I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I honestly don't. It, I couldn't run because of the jolting. Um, the burpees hurt. I still did the burpees, but they were slow. I really had to draw on skill and I had to keep saying to myself, I've trained for this. I've practiced for this. Not the pain, but I felt the hurt not in this way. But I just had to keep reminding myself, you've trained for this. You've prepared your mind for this. You've prepared your body for this. You can, you can do this. Just make it through this. Make it through this. And then after the 7K race, uh, I went and swam in the river for a while. And I just stayed in that river until my body was pretty much frozen and I couldn't feel myself anymore. And Dean said to me, I think you need to get out. And I was going, because every time I opened my mouth to speak, all that would come out was my jaw chattering. So it was it was pretty full on. But then I had to wake up again 4.30 the next morning to go and take on the 21K beast and over 20 obstacles. And I woke up at 4.30 just going, oh, my God, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? So, and I just said, you know what, same thing again. You've prepared for this. You've trained for this mentally and physically. You can do this. And and I did. And it, I still made really good time and I really used my skills and, and strength and technique to get through the obstacles for the whole 20 obstacles that we did. I only failed three. So there was only 90 burpees. Only 90 on burpees. <laughs> <laughs> that's a penalty yeah <laughs> that's right only 90 burpees <laughs> but um yeah I really had to use I really had to I left it I, and this is what I wanted to do I wanted to challenge myself see how I could form mentally and physically under intense pressure and I wanted to leave it all out on the course and how long, how long did the beast take for you the beast took um 445 so four, four hours, hours 45. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to give people some context. Yeah. Um, Yeah. What most people don't realize, right? What Leanne said was when she fell. Um, So tell us what actually happened after the races were done. Um, You finished the trifecta and then you got some x-rays done. What happened? I found out I had a fractured spine, a compression fracture. So that explained the intense pain that I was in. I had whiplash. I'd pushed my hips. I'd felt that hard on my hips. I'd sort of pushed all my hips forward. Hmm. Um, all my neck was sort of straight from the, the intense sort of whiplash. I've got a compression fracture. So my um, two vertebrae are compressed, T10, T11. There's a fracture in T11 and there's a fracture also in uh, T7. This is why I uh, at the beginning of this. Yeah, that's why at the beginning, where I just said I was inspired by you um, for what you've done is it's because like with all of that, you still continue two more races, uh, which is hard enough for anybody to complete um, one of those races. But you did it, and uh, and yeah. So I know some people will be thinking like, "This is insanity. Why would you put yourself through it?" And I get it. I would. That's a totally different conversation that you know we'll we'll probably do another podcast on that. But I just want you to to kind of look at. You know, well, actually, before we end off, because you know, coming, we extended this one a little bit because the, the yeah. story just too, 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 too um, important for not to discuss it. But what was the lesson from from you? What did you get out of that for you, um, moving forward in your life? Oh, this is really, really interesting because again, we're coming back to um, not things happen for a reason, but this has happened. This is set in stone. What am I going to take from it? And what I think I've taken away from it, and it's changed over the last four weeks of healing because it takes six weeks to heal an injury like this. And it's been mentally really tough. Physically, I've been in a lot of pain, but mentally it's been probably tougher because I've gone from doing a lot of OCR-specific kind of training to doing nothing. And then it's different sort of facets have come out. Like I need to... I've given a lot of myself this year, so I'm feeling now I need to, to bring the energy back into myself. And at the same time, and this actually came from you, Lawrence, is when we hold, and hold on to our why so tightly, but what happens when we get to that stage that it's not serving us? But it's our why. It's why we chose to do it. But we're not getting anything from it anymore. And I thought that is really, really powerful. And it's really started to, it's, it's got my mind thinking about sticking to something for so long because that has always been your why and it's being adaptable and it's being, um, being, being open to change and for things to kind of no longer, if something no longer works for you, be adaptable, change. It's okay. You can still get to where you're going, but sometimes you take a few detours. You don't have to go straight to that point. And for me at the moment, it's about just bringing everything back into myself and taking this time to really work on healing. So at the moment, I'm doing a different kind of healing. I'm doing a gut healing protocol. I've gone back to to doing a bit more Qigong, um, a meditation class, just to keep the energy still moving within me because I've gone from doing something so physically and mentally intense Mm -hmm. to all of a sudden being injured and going, oh, my God, what am I going to do now? So I'm doing my physio, which is now my training, and I'm just I'm, I'm really bringing that energy back into myself to kind of go, okay, so my why's changed. Where do I go from here? And this is I'm so looking forward to seeing where this is going to take me now because I've got no idea, to be honest, but I can tell you now I'm in a really big transition 
phase where my why is changing. What's incredible is the the word that you chose to use was just change. And uh, if you look at the incredible story and this journey that you've gone through in this whole entire podcast, I know we compressed this this in 35 minutes, but you know you've gone through so much change. Um, you know, for the typical uh, story of what you went through in your early childhood, it's something that we would typically think that there's no way you would come out of it especially in the way you you have um you you know your story has is it's inspiring uh, to a lot of people and i know you well enough and and have met your family and, and the three incredible kids that you have and, and we didn't even touch upon the genetic dis- uh, disorders that you two your kids have and, and that actually got you to uh the health journey that's a totally different <laughs> yeah, podcast yeah. <laughs> uh, but go check out with the boomies world and i'm sure you discussed it there but you know i, I think the change and the evolution of change that's constant i think what should inspire people listening to this right now is that you can't constantly changing your why will change and 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 change is actually part of who we are as human beings and it's okay to be able to allow us and accept that there's not just one wrong why that will hold on to the rest of life maybe it will but for most of us it's constantly changes and your purpose of life is is the, the evolution of life and i you know i'm just thank you for being on the podcast i think you have inspired a lot of people listening to this and this is an incredible interview thank you so much for having me and uh i, th- I really would love for you guys to check out um leanne uh, you know and also in everything that she's done um she's got obviously the, the wellness uh, the wellness couch podcast uh, boobies world um and you know definitely check her out with the podcast there she's interviewed uh, many people like matt murphy matt murphy we've interviewed on the wellness guide you got me hooked up into him i'm gonna definitely talk yeah. to joe de senna um next month when i meet him um, he's, I'm speaking with him in Japan. I'm the, so jealous. That's so exciting. <laughs> the CEO and founder of the Spartan Race. I'm going to tell him your story. I'm looking forward to uh, sharing <laughs> that with him. And uh, and so anyways, um, you know, Leanne, sorry our time has come up, but I really want to say thank you so much for being being on this podcast. It's been an incredible story. Is there any other place that people can get in touch with you um, if they want to know more about your work? Sure. They can they can find me on social media. I'm, so, I'm, I'm on there as Primal Mum, uh, Mum being M-U-M. So you can find me and connect with me there at Primal Mum or Leanne Anders. Um, I just want to thank you guys for, for giving me a platform to actually share my story because this is the first time I've shared it in, in this way, in, with this depth. Well, it's, uh, like I said, it's very incredibly brave for you to be able to do that in front of that many people and that many listeners. And, uh, <laughs> so, um, like I, I commend you for that. And so uh, well, I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more from you as we move forward. Um, guys, an incredible episode. I, I'm actually kind of speechless and, and we'll just, I, I don't know what to say, but uh, I guess the couple of key things is one, um, you know, share your comments and, and, and like us on Facebook while you're there. Share this podcast. I think this is one of those important podcasts that you need, episodes that you need to share with your friends and families and other things, other strangers you think will, will benefit from this incredible story that Leanne had just shared with, the, with us. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. That's going to be a great place for us. Uh, do us a favor and comment and give us a rating there. And um, well, until next week, begin creating wellness into your lives lead by example and let's change the world's health together join us next week on the wellness guy show this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com check us out on facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash the wellness couch subscribe to each show on itunes and check us out on twitter the wellness couch streaming wellness into your lives Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.